to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Now I have a word, I believe it's from the Lord for us this morning. Uh, I wonder how it will come out, but I've got a word of the Lord, and I am quite excited to share that with the church this morning. So let's uh, open your Bibles, if you have, to 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 to 11. 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 to 11. We'll read uh, some verses first, and then uh, we'll say a few things, have a few principles we can learn from this passage. But keep your Bibles open throughout the message and uh, you can underline some of the key phrases in the Bible. But let's look at 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 3. It says, Now there were four men with leprosy. At the entrance of the city gate, they said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, we will die. If we stay here, we will die. So let us go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. Now, it's a very depressing passage, right? Talking about dying and dying. And Verse 5, At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives." The man who had had a leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents and ate and drank. And they took silver, gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Verse 9, Then they said to each other, What we're doing is not right. This is day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out the city gatekeepers and told them, We went into the Aramean camp and no one was there, not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys. And the ten left just as they were. The gatekeepers shouted the news and it was reported within the palace. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, Moving from a Famine to a Feast. Moving from a famine to a feast. Do you know how far it is from a famine to a feast? I sense in my spirit that some of us are in a season of famine. Some of us are in desperate situation. And the distance between famine to a feast is the distance between your desperation and your breakthrough. And I'm here to announce to us, friends, one stroke of God's favor will erase years of frustration and anxiety. No matter how much approval or success you might gain from people, friends, the favor and approval of God outshines them all. Amen? So one moment of experiencing a breakthrough from God will transform your darkest hour, my darkest hour, into the brightest moment. 
And I believe this morning we can move from a famine to a feast. It's really possible, but the question is how? The question is how, and that's the question. And believe it or not, the answer comes from some of the most unlikely sources, from these four lepers, these four outcast beggars in 2 Kings chapter 7. These four lepers who were in desperate situation and what they did actually give us some principles, some keys in helping us move from our famine into a season of feasting. And friends, I want you to, to know this morning that God has prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That it is our lot in life to feast from the king's table. This is what David said to Mephibosheth. When he wanted to eat from the crumbs uh, that fall from the king's table, David said to Mephibosheth on behalf of his father Solomon, that you will eat with me as one of my sons on my table. And friends, on behalf of our elder brother of the King Jesus, the Father is saying to all of us this morning that we can sit together with the sons of the King around the table to have a feast. Amen? So there's a feast waiting for all of us this morning in the presence of our King regardless of the state that you are in. Now, so let's briefly look at the context of the story. The city of Samaria has been under military siege by the Syrians. The Syrians surrounded the city and cut off what little food was making its way into the city. And if you read the Bible, it tells us that it had already been seven years of famine. So food was scarce very scarce, and people were starving inside the city. But as you read the story, as severe as that situation was inside the city, it was even more severe for people with leprosy, come on, who had been isolated to outside the city. Now, you know, this, you know how it works in the Old Testament. If you, have, if you have leprosy, if you are a leper, you are an outcast. You are supposed to leave the camp, leave civilization and leave in isolation. So as severe as the famine uh, was inside the city, it's even worse outside the city for four lepers. In the best of times, the lepers survive by food that was left for them by family members. But now, even trash was too precious to throw away. When normal people were rummaging through trash, looking for something to eat, that meant, my friends, there was nothing for the people with leprosy outside the camp. Hello? Are you still with me? So this was how terrible the situation is, the circumstances. And if anyone was ever caught between a rock and a hard place, it was these four lepers. And their situation really is not so unlike the situations that some of us find ourselves in at times. Some of us in this room is going through a challenging marriage. Your spouse comes to you and says, I want a, a divorce, and your whole world comes crumbling down. You're in a, de a desperate place. Some of us, our bosses say to us, I'm so sorry, but you're the wrong fit. I've got to let you go. And that's bad news. And you're desperate, especially in an, an economy that is uncertain. Come on. Some of us, the stock market is a little bit volatile in the last few days, and you're in investments, and you're wondering, oh my, what's happening? And for some, 
You know how it sounds like when our parents or our loved ones come home and said, you know what, I was just at the doctor and I've got a negative report and it's cancer and it's terminal. And what about people amongst us who live with years and years of frustration, of hurts, of disappointments, of bitterness, of people letting us down and we can't snap ourselves out from it and we have concluded we will, we will never heal. What about the addictions that we can't conquer? Broken friendships that haunt us. Memories that are always in our mind that we can't seem to find freedom. And friends, a lot of us are familiar with desperate situations like this, like what these four lepers were going through. So the question this morning is, is there a way to turn those famines into feasts? How do we move from famines to breakthroughs? And I believe as we read this story, that there are four principles we, we can learn. And, and I pray that these four principles would give you some handles to face your famine, some, some keys to help you frame your thoughts as you go through challenging times. Now, God's Word can renew our mind rather than for us to uh, wallow in self-pity, to settle in defeat. We can allow these principles to motivate us, to challenge us, to inspire us, to make a few decisions. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, four principles from this story. And the first one is this, we, have, we must realize that the tomb of desperation is the womb for a breakthrough. Don't you like that? That the tomb of desperation is the womb for a breakthrough. These four men, these lepers in 2 Kings chapter 7 were desperate with a capital D. Let's Look at some verses from chapter 6 and you understand how desperate those times were. Let's read verses 24 to 29. Sometime later, this was just the previous chapter. Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege on Samaria. And there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head, come on, donkey's head, sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cap of seed pods for five shekels. Now, to give you an understanding of, of donkey's head and seed pods, no one eat donkey's head. It's like Chinese New Year. You bought a whole chicken from the market. You will cut off the chicken head and probably just face the guy that you don't like in a reunion dinner, right? So you spin the table and the guy who you know, has a chicken head would eat the chicken backside, something like that. We grew up playing games like that, all right? And so no one eats, so it's a little bit like that. No one feed on donkey's head. There was no value to donkey's head, but it was going for 80 shekels of silver. Now, do you know how much 80 shekels of silver is? I was doing some study and one shekel is about 80 US dollars. So this was going for 6,400 USD, one donkey's head. Because there was just no food. There was a famine. So people who has got money would empty the bank just to stay alive and they pay 6,400 USD, about 10,000 Sing dollars to buy a donkey's head. And not just that, a quarter of a cap of seed pods for five shekels, 800 bucks. Did you notice that? And let's move on. 
As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried to him, Help me, my lord, the king. The king re- replied, If the lord does not help you, where can I get help from you? From the threshing floor? From the wine press? Then he asked her, next verse, What's the matter? So the woman answered, This woman said to me, Give up your son so we may eat him today. Wow. So we cooked my son and ate him. Sad story. The next day, I said to her, Give up your son so we may eat him. But she has hidden him. Cannibalism. And this was how desperate they were. Now, in normal times, most mothers would sacrifice themselves to save their children. But these were not normal times. These were desperate times. And the mothers were now saying, I'll eat your son first, then you eat my son. These were desperate times. But I'm here to announce to us, friends, that The tomb of desperation is the womb for a breakthrough. That desperate places are God's waiting room for breakthroughs. The Bible says those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. The Bible says that weeping may just endure for a night, but joy always comes in the morning. Now, you may think that you're in the darkest of times. You may think that what you are going through, no one understands. But I suspect this morning that regardless what you are going through, it's not as bad as what these guys were going through. Come on, somebody. Weeping may endure for the night. And some of us, we are weeping, we are crying, sleepless nights, we are concerned, we are worried. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I'm here to declare, my friends, that God specializes in turning a bad night into a great day. Woo! God works the night shift. That's the good news. When you are sleeping, God's working. When you are desperate, God's working. When things seem helpless and hopeless, God's working. In fact, my friends, some of His best work were in the dark. God can work in your darkness. Remember the story of Paul and Silas praising God in the darkness of the midnight hour in dungeon when they were praising God. There was an earthquake and they were totally set free. God specializes in turning a bad night into a great day. Joseph was lying on his bed. He was a prisoner. He was all hopeless. He didn't know how his deliverance would come. He woke up that morning. Weeping may last for the night. That morning, he received an invitation from the king. He stood before the king and the next thing he knew, he became the Prime Minister of Egypt. Friends, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Friends, God can turn things around at a wink of the eyelid. Come on, God is a specialist in turning dark times into great days. Friends, the Christian life has always been about finishing well. Yeah? God is far more in where you end up than where you are right now. So never let your present situation, your past dictate your future. Where you are right now is just a season. Psalm 23 verse 3 says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This is part of our life journey to walk through dark valleys. And yet, the psalmist understood that I'll fear no evil. For why? The Lord is with me. His staff and His rod sustains me. Friends, God works in the dark. The tomb of desperation is the womb of breakthrough. Amen? It's the womb of breakthrough. The second key from this lesson, from this story is we have to develop a nothing-to-lose mindset or mentality. And that's what these four lepers 
represent. These four lepers are truly in a loose-loose situation. Let's read 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3 and 4 again. Four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate, they said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we're going to the city, the famine is there, we will die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. They have got nothing to lose. They are square in the middle between a city that was starving on one side and an enemy army on the other side. There was no way to go. So they make some pretty interesting observations, pretty sharp evaluation here. And I think, my friends, this morning, unless all of us come to the same three conclusions that these four lepers came to, we will probably never, I say never, pursue a breakthrough from God. But these four men came to three very simple, logical conclusions. The first conclusion is this. If we stay here, we will die. If we stay here, we will die. The fact is this, no one can stay where they are. The problem is that we human beings, our human nature does not like change. But I'm saying to all of us this morning, if you're in a desperate situation, if you need a miracle, if you are looking to God for a breakthrough, change is required. You need to make a move. If we stay here, we will die. Indifference, inactivity is not a key to breakthrough. And these four lepers understood that if we stay here, we will die. The second conclusion is we can't go back either. If we stay here, we will die. We can't go back. They recognized that they could not go back into the city because there was famine there and that meant death. It's pointless to go back to where they came from. Because there was a famine, there's no food. A donkey's head is costing them 10,000 sing dollars. It's just too much. And how many times I wish, when I was going through desperate times, when I was seeking God for breakthrough and understanding why am I going through this situation, how many times I've wished I could go back into my past and, and undo some decisions I've made and say some things I said. But to go back for any one of us is impossible, right? I wish I can unsay some things. And some of us might be the same. You wish you can go back, but we can't go back either. No point crying over spilt milk. Some of us fail in our friendship with people and you wish, oh, she's my best friend. Come on, you can't go back. In your business, it's the same. You have done some, you have made some boo-boos, you have made some mistakes. Stop crying over spilt milk. You can't go back either. Are you with me? Come on. Are you with me? You can't go back. Don't look to the past. The past is past. And I thank God for the grace of God. I thank Him for His mercies. I'm so grateful that regardless of where I've come from, His grace has been sufficient for me. I can't go back to the past. So they came to the third conclusion. We have to go on. We have to go on. And so one of those lepers says, let us go over to, the, to that army and surrender ourselves. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. Now, friends, this is like, it's a no-brainer. It's like, it's like someone saying to you, if I got food to eat, I live. If I've got no food to eat, I die. I, I, I mean, 
It doesn't take a revelation or it's not a rocket science. It's not rocket science. It's just a logic. So this guy is saying, you know what, I can't go back because there's a famine behind me. So all I could do is just to take a risk and just go forward. You remember what we did uh, on New Year's Eve or the last service of last year? We all look back and we say, we're not looking back any, anymore. Stop looking o- over your shoulder. Stop looking back. Look forward. Amen. Look forward. I want to make a statement here. To not have an appetite for the impossible is not normal for one in whom the Holy Spirit lives. It's not normal for the Spirit-filled believer. And, th- and those four men, those lepers understand they were desperate. They've got nothing to lose. And there was an, an appetite and they said, take a risk. Never try, never know. If we die, we die because we'll die anyhow. So if we die, we die, but at least take a risk. And I'm here to say this to you, friends. It takes someone with nothing to lose to get a breakthrough. And those four lepers were there. What do I mean? Number one, they didn't need to be concerned with losing their reputations because they have none. Amen? They were lepers. Lepers have got no reputation. Number two, they didn't have to be concerned or worry about losing their fortune because they were lepers. Whatever they had, probably were all gone. Number three, they didn't have to be worried about losing their health. They were lepers. They were in this, in this place where they've got nothing to lose. And this point is super poignant for Singaporeans. Because what's the prevailing spirit over Singapore? Come on, help me. Kiasuism. We're always scared of losing, losing out. We have got a lot of things to lose as Singaporeans who have come so far. It's 50 years from, 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 from third world to first world. Now we must guard our position. The moment you start guarding your position, you lose your pioneering spirit. You lose the sense of entrepreneurship. And that's when things start to lose. So I, I know I'm digressing here, but some of you who are business people, don't ever come to a, to a place where you are just maintaining don't, some of you who are ministry leaders, don't ever come to a place where you are just maintaining. Friends, we, 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 we must always be possessing, taking risks. Amen. These four men had nothing to lose. And understand this, you are the most dangerous to the devil when you have nothing to lose. Woo! Kiasu Christians, Kiasu Singaporeans who are always trying to hoard to what they have. The more things, the, the more stuff you have, the more there is to lose. And so you stop taking risks. You stop looking forward. You're always trying to maintain. But when you've got nothing to lose, that sets you up. That mindset, that mentality sets you up for your miracle, for your breakthrough. Amen. And I pray that as a church, we'll always have that, that mindset. We'll never settle into our laurels and just say, you know what, We've, we have arrived. We, ha- we will never arrive on this side of eternity. There's always a great act of faith God is calling us to. There's always uh, a greater place God is calling us to. And all of us, especially those of us who are leaders here, must have that mindset that there is more. I love what Christine said. We're asking for more not because we don't have we are kings and princes. There is abundance. We are feasting from the Lord's table. We're asking for more because there are still things we have not tried. I mean, it's like this spread of buffet before you and there's so many varieties, so many different dishes we have not tried. And so we said, more! I want to try this a little bit. I want to try that dish. There is more. And that must be our mindset. There is more! 
That marked my life as a Christian, as a person. When there are things I've not tried before, I mean good things, not vices. Are you with me? When there are things I've not tried before, I know there is more and I, and I want more. There is more in God. Why do I take risks? Because when, when, when I saw what God did through Sean Bowles, I said, God, I, you are no respecter of persons. You've got no favorites. I'm your favorite one. So if you can use Sean like that, you can use me too. When I start seeing people getting healed with words of knowledge, I, and I said, God, I need to start moving in these things. There is more. And I need to, and it's not just within the four walls of the church, it's also outside the four walls of the church. I want the same grace, the same gift that's flowing within our service to spill over, to go beyond the walls and touch a lost and dying world. There is more. Can you say that back to me? There is more. There is more. There is more. There is more. I, I can look back in regrets. And, and don't remind me of my failures. <laughs> remind me of my future. Remind me of my destiny. Why has God called us out to plant this church. Of course, we make mistakes. We pay our school fees. We must always keep our hearts pure and we don't you know, become negative. But what's the vision? Why has God called us out? What is the destiny God has for your life? I'm appealing to all the young and the old here. The more we accumulate, the more stuff we have, the more people we are responsible in our lives, the more we have to lose. But never lose the sense of adventure. Amen? Number three, the third principle we can learn from this story is obey God fully and give Him an, an excuse to bless you. <laughs> obey God, give Him an excuse to bless you. I was saying to a group on Friday night, I think a true stroke of a genius is when you can distill things into its essence, whether it's you know, a subject into its essence. I think I've reduced the Christian faith into the essence. Of course, you know, I'm not saying that. Uh, you have to understand when, when I say this. You know, I believe that it's all by the grace of God. I believe that why I understand that. But how do you live a powerful Christian life? I've reduced that into an essence. I reduce it. I've like try. I reduce it into the essence. How do you live a powerful Christian life? Do you want to know the secret? I think I've found out the secret. You know, I think it's worth a million bucks, yeah. or even more. It's priceless. You want to know? Yeah. Hear and obey. I think that's it. Hearing God's voice, and some of the greatest ministries in Christendom is people who just simply heard God by faith. They did this. And faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the voice of God. And not they didn't just hear, they acted. What People who heard and didn't do anything died in the wilderness. That's what the Bible says. But people who heard and they obeyed, they possessed the promises. By faith and patience, you possess. And faith comes by hearing and hearing. And so, I think this is, this is the essence of living a powerful life. Now, I heard God I on the 16th of July. I thought I heard God, so I try. What's the worst case? Fill forward, bam, in your face. It's okay, there is grace. Come on, Daniel, come on. All right, try again, try again. <laughs> Amen? Look for a sick person, pray, pray. The, pers the person passes on. Try again. John Wimber is a perfect example. 
you know, was a Calvary Chapel background evangelical, didn't believe in healing, but you know, he was baptized in the Spirit and he pushed in and said, he, he saw from Scripture, God wants to heal the sick, not just through some special evangelist, but God wants to heal the sick through ordinary people. And he was the one who said this phrase, everyone can play, I love it. He has a book on that. Everyone can play. And so he went on this worldwide push to equip the body of Christ to pray for the sick. But you must know his story. And of course, it was just a figurative number. But he said, the first many years, I prayed for 10,000 people. 10,000 people died after I prayed for them. Very encouraging. Very encouraging. I'm so glad he didn't give up. He keep on praying because he heard God. He heard God. He heard God. Keep on praying. Same for Heidi Baker, wasn't it? Who was in Toronto, heard Randy Clark said, the sick will be healed. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. She went back. She looked for every deaf person, prayed. Nothing happens for months. So what's my point? Hear and obey. Even when you are not seeing the promise of God before you, faith and patience will produce a powerful life. Amen? So let's read verses 5 to 7 from this story, please. It says, At dusk they got up and they went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there, for the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of the chariots and horses and a great army. How could a battle-hardened army be so easily full and spook at night? These were like champions. These guys understood the art of war. They have won battles. So how did such a powerful force be so easily spoke and full? There was, no big, there was no big troops from Israel. There was just four lepers. So of course, the only reasonable answer is God did it. And the Bible didn't spell out the divine methods involved, but I, I believe it, sh- it sure gives us a strong hint that those lepers were involved in some way. I love it. Listen carefully. Here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. When these four lepers started moving toward the enemy's camp, so did God. Often the only thing necessary to get God to move is for us to move first. And I believe that God amplified the sound of those four lepers walking and made them sound like an army marching. Wow! Can you picture this? Four lepers dying from hunger. They were lepers, they were dying, they were hungry, and probably their step weren't like elephant, right? They were probably dragging their feet. A little bit like someone who's just gone through a knee surgery, right? Just dragging their feet a little bit. It's a little bit slow. It's a little bit, you know, unstable. And those four lepers were marching. Not marching, that's a wrong word. They were limping towards the enemy's camp. But these four lepers had nothing to lose. These four lepers were taking risks. And as they limped, God amplified the sound of their limbs. Woo! And in the enemy's camp, what was a limb sounded like an army marching. Are you following me? There's a verse in the Bible that says God can save you know, with many or with few. All these miracles of how Gideon from 30,000 people become 300 up against tens of thousands. 
You see, God is not into the, to the numbers games. God is not into the logic. The more you have, the more you can do. In fact, God loves to confound our mind. God loves to surprise us what He could do. So four lepers limping towards the enemy's camp. The enemies fled because they thought, wow, an army is marching towards us. Woohoo! Come on! I believe when these four men move in with a nothing-to-lose attitude, the enemy hears them. Understand this. The devil greatly fears the thundering sound of our faith and obedience. Greatly fears. You want to see a miracle in your life? You want to live a life of miracle? Now, this message isn't just for people who are desperate. This message is for people who want to make their life count. I don't know about you. I've got one life. YOLO. Come on. You only live once. YOLO. I'm 40 this year. I believe I'll live till at least 90. I want to be a great-grandfather. So that, that means I'm, I've lived almost half my life. I've got half my life more, 50 more years of powerful life. How does it look like? Not just making sure my kids are going through school and of course I want to make sure they, they do that. But I want to make my life count. 50 years from now, I want to look back and I'm still the same man. I said this to my young people in the past, I'll say it again this morning. At 90 years old, if I'm still alive, I want people around me to say, Daniel, have you gone mad? Are you crazy? Are you still attempting these silly things, trying to change the world? This is what happened to Paul. Remember? We had a camp in those days and the theme of the camp is, you are crazy. No, it's like light crazy. <laughs> That's what my life, when I want to be crazy. Yes. And that's why sometimes when I speak, I get a little bit animated because I want to inspire, especially people my age. I've seen them move from the front seat. I'm not, not there's no condemnation here, all right? Our church is small, all right? So you've got no place to sit. I understand. I've seen my friends move from the front seat all the way to the back. When the babies come along, now I understand there's a season, but never lose. Come on, it might just be three, four years of caring for, but never lose the sense of adventure, the sense of wonder. Because friends, you may think it's a limp, but God will amplify your walk so that it can send the enemies fleeing. Wow, I love this. Woo! But you need to obey. Even though it's random and it's senseless, it doesn't make sense. If I go around, I'm sure you've got stories like that. I've seen a few faces. You have told me stories of how you obeyed God and it's the most random decision you made and the blessings of God flow into your life. Put yourself in a place where God can do amazing things in you and through you. Amen. Obey God fully and give Him an excuse to bless you. My last point as I come to a close. Breakthroughs are meant to be contagious. Breakthroughs are meant to be contagious. When God does amazing, amazing things in your life, in our church, it's meant to be contagious. When God gives you a personal breakthrough, He often has more in mind than you, your family, your, your life, your job, or even your present circumstance. When God gave you a breakthrough, He has something bigger in mind. Let's read verses 9 to 11. Then they said to each other, We're not doing right. 
Now, before that, you knew what they did, right? They were just eating, right? They, you have to understand, they were hungry. They were desperate. They were in a desperate place. They have got no food to eat for perhaps months now, skin and bones. And when the, when the, the Arameans heard that the soldiers were coming, <laughs> soldiers, four of them were coming, they fled. And when they went into the tent, wow, all the food's there. Silver and gold, still there. So, of course, being hungry people, first thing you see food is you eat, right? Wow, you, you eat. And they went from 10 to 10 feasting. Move from famine to feasting. And now they are feasting, but is there more to this story? Of course. So after feasting, then they came to their senses. It's like, aha, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news. This is a day of gospel. Good news. And we are keeping it to ourselves. I can just sense conviction going through this place right now. If we wait until daylight, this is all fear, right? And I don't, this is just their soul speaking, but this punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Let's go at once. What does it mean? What are they talking about? Friends, if you read this story, God not only wants to give these four lepers a miracle, these four lepers were just actors in this story. They were just a channel, they were a conduit. God wanted to set the whole city free. And oftentimes, His heroes are unlikely people. Not a general from Israel's camp because they were hungry. <laughs> oh, four lepers outside the city, the most desperate of the whole lot. But God chose these four lepers to bring a miracle. All because they had this mindset, go back, I die, stay here, I die, just go to the front. I mean, that's a simple mindset, Right? But first, He will use your breakthrough as a launching pad to give others a breakthrough. <laughs> I wonder, how many of us are like these four lepers? Grew up in church, been to some of the most amazing churches in Singapore. Notepads are full of revelations. The types and shadows, this represent that, this means that, and you've got everything, your head is so full you can repeat whatever I'm saying. You know exactly what I say before I say it because you are so preached out. You are like, wow, I've heard this before. Great. But we're so full. And because you've been feasting the good word. Amen. You've been feasting. Every new book by Bill Johnson you read. Every sermon you listen to. I mean, you're so full. You're, and you're walking around saying, well, I'm so full. I'm, it's like, come on, it's time to do something. Amen. Time to do something. See, our head's been so filled with spiritual truths, backlog of victories, of testimonies, of spiritual breakthroughs, and yet we remain silent with news that could transform other people and other families. We sing, there is power in the blood. No more sin and shame. And it's just keep it within these four walls. I'm wondering, uh, that's not relevant to the people outside. They can stay in sin and shame. But for us, there is power you have heard this before. I don't mean to you know, put any pressure on you guys. But imagine if Christine discovered the cure for, a, for Zika, for example, or a deadly virus. She discovered it out of the blue. She was just feeding Travis or Erilyn and, aha, cure for Zika. And she keep it to, her, to herself. Wouldn't, wouldn't you all stone her? Just in case my children need it one day, I keep it to myself. But that's what a lot of us are doing, aren't we? There's power in the blood, no more sin and shame. So when I get to heaven, I'll just say, Jesus, 
thank you for your blood. This is my insurance to get in. Yes, come in. And that's how most of us live our Christian life. But like this four men says, this is not right. God is speaking to us from four lepers. He's saying, this is wrong. Then Daniel said to you, okay, it's like, <laughs> these four lepers said to one another, what we're doing is not right. Good news. City in bondage, famine in that city, there's food here. This is a day of good news. We have to tell somebody. Breakthroughs are men to be contagious. So let's review the four principles. Number one, we must realize that when you're in a desperate place, a tomb of desperation is a womb for your breakthrough. It's okay if you're going through desperate times. All right, when you recognize that God can meet you at the point of your desperation, that's where, where the miracle starts. But you've got to develop a nothing to lose mentality. Don't be fearful. Don't stop taking risks. Take God at His word. God is speaking to you. He has given you a key for your breakthrough, but you must step out. When you step out to obey God fully, you give God a reason and an excuse to act for you. And that's when you can start sharing the breakthrough. Amen. Simple scripture, simple story. But I pray this morning that we'll all respond like the four lepers. Amen. It's a day of good news. During worship, I heard the Holy Spirit said that we are to serve well. Saying to me, but He says we. He's saying to us this morning, we are to serve well. And so I say, God, what, what do you mean? He says, will you be a place of plenty in the city? Is this a place where people can come and just receive, enjoy God, enjoy the presence, find a miracle, find a breakthrough? And when people come, when people come, now, I don't know whether we'll have three services, two, but I wouldn't be speaking in all three. Trust me, there'll be people here that are amazing teachers and preachers, but we have to serve well because I think that when God starts moving in a powerful way that you know, our friends would come, public would come, and we can't keep to ourselves. Amen? You can't be in your cliques. Come on, YA, you can't be in your, in your cliques. Come on, youth downstairs, you can't be in your clique. You've got to serve well, love well. Adults can't be in your cliques. How do we break that? I say, God, I don't know. <laughs> I tried to model by example, shaking hands, hi, being friendly. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys, we have to serve well and love well. Because why? I think that there will be food in this house. I really sense it. I sense it. it. It is not just me trying to grow. I just sense that in the coming days that there's feeding quality from this pulpit and that people will come and feast. But what about the rest of us? Can we just play the second fiddle and be good stewards, be good servants? Can we serve well? Can we serve well? People come. Can we make sure they have a f the best in the house? Can we make sure that they are being spoken to? Can we make sure that they don't come in and go out and no one say hi? Amen. Let's serve well.
Imagine you're going to a restaurant, you sit there, no one come and serve you. How would you feel? You would, you would go to Instagram or to Facebook, take a photo and say, terrible, wouldn't you? And why are we then doing the same to people who are coming? Serve well. When people come, make sure that we are serving them, loving them well. Um, amen. Make sure that they receive a prayer from us before they leave. Could be the one prayer that would change their lives. Amen. All right, so lepers, let's all stand. I mean, well, you're not a leprous, man. I mean, God has cleansed us and we are clean. But uh, what's my point here? My point is, you may think that your walk with God is just a limp. You may think it's just a limp. But I'm here to tell you that limping towards God's prophetic destiny for your life would sound like an army marching in the enemy's camp. The problem is, some of us are not moving. So this morning, let's make a move. Amen.